Thank you, Annie. You did good. <laughs> We're in Psalm 19 this morning. We're trying our best to go through the Old Testament in chronological order. We've been in 2 Samuel, uh, and these psalms are intermixed in there, and we're not quite sure when David wrote this psalm, but we think it was when he was a young man. And last week we looked at Psalm 8, talking about God, Creator, and he created a very large, vast universe. And we looked at how man fits into the animal kingdom. Man placed above animals, but in harmony with the animals. And we don't probably recognize that as we should, but until the last century, mankind's workmate in the farming, anyway, was oxen and horses and mules and that kind of thing. And if you've ever been up to Etheridge, Tennessee, the Amish still use horses in their agriculture. Plus, they pull their wagons and their little buggies around with horses. Much of today's modern machinery is based upon the power of a horse, i.e. horsepower. The power of automobiles is usually somewhere between two and three hundred horsepower. Electric motors that run every convenience known to man are based on horsepower. And today, well in France they eat horses, but we don't do that here. We eat and consume animals that are grown on a large scale. And we eat eggs and we eat dairy products, all from the animal kingdom. The Chick-fil-A cow commercials want us to eat more chicken. I'm here to tell you, eat more beef. Just, just a little side note. <laughs> But let's look at Psalm 19 this morning. Psalm 19 speaks of creation and how it should expose God to each of us. David also speaks of God's word as purifying if we allow it to have its perfect work in us. So Psalm 19, and we'll read the first six verses. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There's no speech nor language where the voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. As we look upon the heavens, the stars, especially as Christians, 
our reaction should be one of awe. We should be looking at the heavens and say, isn't our creator awesome? And David declares the heavens are to show us the glory of God in his creating abilities. As believers, uh, don't get locked into the juvenile thinking of what heaven is like. And that juvenile thinking is something like this. We're all floating around on clouds playing harps. I don't think heaven's going to be that way. Jesus said in John 14, 1 through 3, Let your hearts not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and re receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. A little different picture of floating on a cloud. But we have a concept to consider. Jesus, with the responsibility of creation given to him by uh, God the Father and the Spirit, created our universe. And he created man and the universe in what I believe six literal days. And the beauty and the excellence of creation is astounding. Even after the fall of man. We see wealthy people go out and buy their motor homes and they tour America. They go on cruises to the Caribbean, usually. They visit foreign countries looking at God's creation. Now, Lori and I, we've visited many of our national parks. That's kind of our summer thing to do. Last year, we went to Glacier National Park in Montana, and it's quite awesome. The year before that, we were at the Grand Canyon with my my daughter and her children. And these parks, they're awesome. They really are. But my favorite is Yosemite. If you go to Yosemite, get out of the valley floor. Get up on the high ridges, on the sheer gigantic granite cliffs. Look at the waterfalls. Some of the highest waterfalls in the world are in Yosemite. And watch the water crash to the earth. And El Capitan, the sheer cliff that all the mountain climbers like to climb. And, and Half Dome in itself. It's amazing. And that's just part of God's creation. The Mormons believe that we will explore God's universe in this afterlife. Now, I agree with that thought. I'm not saying be a Mormon, but I agree with the thought that we will be exploring the beauty of nature, the creation of our Lord. And back in Genesis, in the garden, before Adam and Eve sinned, there was this tree of knowledge. And before they sinned, God had intimate fellowship with Adam and Eve.
intimate fellowship in a perfect environment. Now I want you to consider when Jesus speaks of mansions, I don't think he's talking about a home we would live in, but I think he speaks of our heavenly body. Not necessarily a house. My sister sold on the house, though. She wants to live in her mansion. <laughs> but Paul speaks of this tent that he lives in and all the difficulties he has in this tent, the, the calamities of living in a fallen world. The older I get, and I'm up there, the more I long for 2020 vision, good hearing, energy, good health, and I long for a mind that's not prone to forget. <laughs> that would be nice. We call it senior moments. But mostly, the older I get, the more I desire to have fellowship with my Lord and Savior without any of these bodily human encumbrances. Just to be able to stand in the presence of God without becoming toast, it has appealed to me. In heaven, we will worship God, and that will be one of the constants that goes on. And our worship will be pure, and it will be fulfilling. We will have fellowship with our creator who created us in his image. For before God created man, he said, let us make man in our image. Now, we will never be gods, not even with a little g, but we will know fellowship with God in a complete and fulfilling way. And that has a lot of appeal to me. We will experience God's love in a tangible, fulfilling, complete way. As Jesus said in the, the gospel, three verses that we read there in John, I will come again and receive you to myself that we might have fellowship. Being one with our Lord and our Maker, it's worth us contemplating about. In the, when we look at nature, when we look at the heavens, they declare His glory. In verses 2 through 6, God has given every culture, every people group, a witness. And that witness is creation, and creation is God's missionary declaring his greatness. It says, day and night, every person is exposed to the voice of God, and he's exposed to God through God's creation, through nature, not Mother Nature either, by the way, but God's creation of nature. Read Romans 1 sometime where God tells about his witness unto each and every person that's born into this world. 
And David goes on and he says, as the earth spins, as it rotates on its axis, it speaks of God's order. As our earth orbits the sun, we have seasons. It's another example of God's order for this world we live in. Our God is a God of organization and order, and that should reveal to us his glory. Look at it a little deeper than uh, on the surface and consider uh, the heavens and the the planets, the stars, and all of that. Uh, One of my favorite programs is the Science Channel. I argue with them, but I love to see them explain the universe. (laughs) Let's look at verses 7 through 14 now of Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand the errors, his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. In verses 7 and 8, we read where only God can comfort and restore the brokenhearted. When you're truly grieving, perhaps, of the loss of a loved one or something like that, Only God can reach in and comfort you. We're told that he's closer than a brother. Our Lord is a present help in times of need. When Jesus was here on the earth, when he walked among us, he was known as a man of sorrows. And he was acquainted with grief. We have a God. We have a Lord who knows our sorrow. And he's more than able to restore us and to lift our hearts. Jesus is fully capable of bringing joy and gladness from a time of destruction. We read verses like, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. That's good to know. The statutes and principles of God are right, and therefore we get the term righteousness. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Notice it does not say commandments. 
commandment, singular. Well, the Jews had the Shema, and that was their basic commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that's what the commandment is. We are to love God completely and thoroughly. And then David says, the fear of the Lord, a total reverence of him, brings awe. And then David says, it's clean. Interesting word to use for fear of the Lord. It's clean. We get bombarded by the philosophies of men. God has never been caught up in the philosophies of man. God is God. He is honest and forthright with us. He tells us who we are, what we are, in our makeup. And God will and does judge behaviors and our actions, whether they be good or bad. His judgments are true. And they're righteous. And when we find ourselves opposing God, we have a solution. Repent. Turn from them. Repentance is a good thing. We are allowed to repent. We are allowed to change our direction. Repent means to turn the opposite way that you've been going. But when we're judged by God, when we're chastised by God, Know that God is doing it out of love. And he's doing it to correct us. And the correction of God is done, I honestly believe this, in the most kind and thorough way he can do it. And there's an example of that in the New Testament. There was a woman caught in adultery, and she was brought before Jesus and these righteous Pharisees and Sadducees wanted Jesus to pronounce judgment upon her, but they wanted to stone her. And Jesus, he does not condemn her, nor does he justify her sin. So let's read John 8, 3 through 11. You're familiar with this passage, I'm sure. When the scribes and Pharisees brought him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had sat her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. So then they continued asking him. He raised himself up and said to them, Who is without sin among you? Let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. 
Go and sin no more. Notice the firmness and the gentleness by Jesus in this story. When we are corrected by God, we have a great reward in store for us if we receive a warning from God. He talks about that. You're wise to receive a warning from God. We are allowed again to turn, to repent. And by the way, none of us are a finished product. God is preparing us for eternity. An eternity with him. And God is in, he's in midst of changing us. Embrace the change. Don't fight it. In verse 12, David asked God to cleanse him from secret faults. Have you ever heard it said, or maybe you've said it yourself, I don't know what got into me. And we can even surprise ourselves with our own faults that are even hidden from our own adoring eyes. And we all love ourselves. We can be deceived to the point of not even knowing ourselves. It's been said that insanity is the gap between who I am and who I think I am. How big is your gap? (laughs) Most of us, when confronted, immediately fall into defending ourselves. I try, I'm not always successful, but I try to ask, is there truth in this accusation? David asked God, he says, God, cleanse me from presumptuous sin. Cleanse me from secret faults. David wants God's protection of himself. He knows what he's capable of. Presumptuous sin is the evil thought that I can go ahead and sin and God will forgive me. That's presumptuous sin. Presumptuous sin, David calls it severe transgression. More than just sin, more than just slipping up, it's transgression. Tempting God to pour out judgment upon a presumptuous sinner. That's dangerous ground. Presumptuous sin is simply premeditated sin. Let me give you what I consider worst-case scenario. I think I will go ahead and cheat on my spouse and then ask God to forgive me. That's presumptuous sin. All sin has a sowing and reaping process. 
Sin is never without consequences. That's the lie. Remember when, when Satan in the form of a serpent approached Eve? Surely you will not die. Lie, you will die, Eve. Satan's lie is that sin doesn't have responsibility. It does. Sin has its consequences. And presumptuous sin demands that God judge it. And David, he cries out and he says, Lord, do not let presumptuous sin have dominion over me. David understands the dangers of assuming upon God's grace. Grace is beautiful. Grace is wonderful. Don't abuse it. Don't abuse it. And presumptuous sin is an abuse of God's grace. David's final desire, and he prays, that his meditation of heart would be acceptable in God's sight. David's strength is in David's Redeemer. As believers, under grace, and we're under grace, God's undeserved favor, let the meditations of our heart be acceptable and pleasing to God. Live out a clean thought life before God. Because God cares how and what we occupy our thoughts with. God cares. He cares about your thought life. Purify from within. Jesus talked about the cup. If you wash the cup, it's not what goes in, it's what comes out that purifies us. Keep your thought life pure before the Lord. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, David is known for writing psalms and putting into words uh, such devotions before you. He wants his thought life to be pure before you. And Lord, we want that too. We want to be clean and pure before you, not just in our outward behavior, but in our inward thoughts and in meditations. We want them to be pleasing to you, Lord. And Lord, we would pray that we would not dare enter into presumptuous sin. We don't want to assume upon grace, Lord. We want to be thankful and grateful for grace, but we don't want to be abusing grace. So, Lord, keep our motives clean, keep our hearts clean, keep our minds right, Lord. As we attempt to walk this life that's pleasing to you. And we look forward to that day, Lord, where we can... Uh, be one with you and worship you in spirit and in truth and be right there with you without being consumed. 
And we look forward to the time we will have to worship in heaven along with the angels and beings that are created specifically for worship. We look forward to that time where we can be right there with you, Lord. So our prayers come quickly, Lord Jesus. Redeem us. Save us, Lord. And we thank you for your goodness to us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.